the Exodus is without a doubt one of the most important stories of our entire Bibles. And besides for Yeshua, probably the most important. You see, brothers and sisters, we see the story of God bringing deliverance to these people he calls Israel, his chosen people. And in the story of the Exodus, it comprises of many things that happened along the way from God bringing them into through the Red Sea, bringing them freedom from from Pharaoh, bringing them out by plagues on Egypt. But then when they come into this um, wilderness, Israel is confused because they were expecting freedom immediately. But rather they are met with something else. They're met with suffering. They are met with the reality that they don't have food, that they don't have water, that they don't have anything. All the, the nice things they had from Egypt, the steaks, the melons and all the nice food and everything else, they suddenly don't have anymore. And suddenly this freedom that they thought they were getting turned out for them and their from their perspective to rather be a curse. And they threw up their hands to God and asked God, why do you allow this to happen to us? Did you just bring us out here in their words? Did you bring us out here just to make us graves in the wilderness? What are you doing, God? What are you doing? And they complain over and over and over again. And we see, for example, the rebellion of Korah happen, where Korah is one of the these these leaders, the, one of the elites of the tribes. And he comes and he gathers rebellion against Moses. And we have things like the bad report, the 12 spies, where how they went into they were they were sent out to spy out the land. To look and they found these giants with these giant castles and they said, we can't go in there. We'll never make it. We'll die. What about our children, Moses? Are you crazy? And we see the these plagues happen. We see them being bit by snakes. We see all kinds of things happen along the way. But what is going on? Wasn't it freedom that they left Egypt for? Why does it seem that they simply left a curse and exchanged one curse, that curse of Egypt for another, the curse of the wilderness, the place of suffering? You know, and sometimes that's how our lives can feel. Sometimes our flesh and what the enemy wants to whisper, wants us to make act the same way that Israel did. We we grab onto Jesus onto Yeshua and what he's done for us, this freedom of God. And we leave Egypt. We leave the things of the world behind our old ways. We try at least. And then it seems like things just keep going wrong. And in fact, things are going more wrong than it used to. Now it's not just the slavery in Egypt we're dealing with. Now we're dealing with all these other issues in the wilderness being away from a city and a support system and everything else that they had. And see, I understand that completely because just recently, me and my wife, Christina, we were forced out of our house. 
We were forced to leave because we had an issue, which some of you may have known about, which we announced a month ago. And we were forced to leave an entire month our home and we had no place. We had to move to our parents and we had to stay there. And we had to, you know, for a season, give up all our things, our home, everything that we can take comfort in. Because as you guys know, you know, we we even coined the phrase, it's home sweet home. There's no place like home because we all take comfort in our homes. Our home is a place we can feel safe in. And but our house was weird because the moment I would step into it, I would get these health issues, these allergic reactions all over my body, all these issues. And it was so confusing because it was like it was like a curse. And in fact, when we announced this thing that was happening, we were asking for prayer for resolution to our situation. I remember there was someone who actually commented. PD, you know what? The reason these things are happening to you is because of what it here says in Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says that if you do God's commandments, you'll be blessed. And if you don't, you'll be cursed. So PD, you guys are obviously not keeping his commandments in some way. And if you fix that issue, you will never get a curse. <laughs> right. And, and that's I'll be honest with you guys. When all this stuff, bad stuff started happening to me and my wife, one of the first things we did is we asked the Father, Lord, if there's anything that we're doing wrong, if there's if we have sin, if there's anything, Father, please search our heart and show us. Huh? Like we we don't want you know we don't want anything between us. We don't want it. Just show us, God. And God didn't. He didn't show us anything, and instead it was and that was actually a confusing thing because at least then I would know what to fix in order to get everything right again. You know, it, if God would just show me what did I do wrong and then I could fix that thing and everything would go well again. It's easy. I could repent. I would know what to repent from. But he was just quiet and he just said, trust me, just trust me. Stop, stop wondering, stop asking the questions. Just just it's good that you're asking, but just trust me for this moment and do not worry about these things. I did not even have a place to lay my head when I was here. Why are you complaining? You have a place to lay yours. Right. And, and I had to just trust the father in that place. And, you know, brothers and sisters, I realized that, you know what? God showed me, Petey, this is not about you being cursed. This is not about you. I'm not pouring out a curse on your family because you are being obedient. You are trying your best. And truly, truly, me and my wife, we try our best to be obedient. We don't want to be in disobedience to our father. And look, I understand. Look, there are some there are people who live in disobedience to father's laws. And that can cause them to inherit curses because of that. No doubt about it. And Deuteronomy, God spelled it out. He said, if you don't do the things I told you to do, if you're disobedient, if you live in sin, these curses will come upon you. Okay, I'm not doubting that. It's, it's true. But for our case, it was not that. But then you may ask, well, PD, what are you talking about? Because that's where curses come from. And then, but then I would just show you what about Joseph when he was thrown into the pit? Was he thrown into the pit because God cursed him? Or was he thrown into the pit because something greater was coming? When he got locked up, why was it God cursing him? Or was it something greater that was coming? 
When Paul was locked up in prison, was it God cursing him? Or was it for the glory of God's kingdom? When Moses was left with this complaining people that he needs to take care of, was it God cursing him? Or was it simply the way for God to bless Israel through Moses? Was it for the glory of God? And and was it when what when God brought Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness? Was God cursing them? No. He was actually bringing them to something greater. It was, you see, brothers and sisters, here's the reality. God never promised Israel that they wouldn't have suffering. He never promised us that we won't have suffering. He never promised anyone. In fact, Yeshua, Jesus has said himself instead. That you will suffer for my name's sake. If you choose to be my disciple, you will suffer. It is a guarantee. You will be persecuted. You will be hated and you will suffer. And see, brothers and sisters, here's the reality is even though, yes, I have had much suffering in my life before in many ways and forms. That does not mean that I haven't had blessing and prosperity and joy and and all these things that the father can only give. It does not mean that I was separated. You can be live a life that has suffering yet still be in blessing because true blessing is found in the lap of your father. True blessing and joy and fulfillment is found in him. So you can be blessed yet suffer. You can escape the cursings that sin brings yet still suffer. And so, brothers and sisters, like that person who told me, PD, it must be because of your your curse. We need to be careful to say such things. I'm not doubting the fact that unbelievers and those who live in sin can inherit cursings. It's a reality that we see in the world today. However, if we can't just point a finger and tell people who things go wrong with that they're cursed. The reality is we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where there is suffering for various reasons. And many of them are for the glory of God. Many of them are going to be things that are going to yield good fruit and be something like the form of this video, which I would have never even made probably if it wasn't for the suffering I just had. In 1 Peter 4 verse 12, we read the following. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Peter says, don't be surprised when things don't go perfectly well. And then when there is suffering for you share in Christ's 
sufferings. And that is supposed to be normal for a disciple, a follower, those who proclaim the gospel, those who live for him. We're all supposed to proclaim the gospel if we're believers. So it's supposed to be normal, a normal part of our lives. And he says it is to test you. It is so God can see what is Petey going to do when I touch him? What is he going to do when things don't go well? Is he still going to glorify my name? Is he still going to stick with me or is he going to fall away and throw his hands up in the air and say, I'm not going to follow you anymore because you it's not worth it because that's what Israel wanted to do. Is he going to complain? Because that's what Israel did too. Israel was complaining. They were saying they were not trusting God. They were continuously saying, why, 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 God, why are you doing this to me? Why do you? And they weren't trusting. And God is testing to see what will we do when things don't go well. But now here's the interesting thing is Peter said we will share Christ's sufferings. But why did he say that? Why do we need to share in Christ's sufferings if he nailed it all to the cross? If he died so and so that we don't have to, if he died and suffered so we don't have to, why does he now say that we are to be partaking in Christ's sufferings? Perhaps Paul will give us more on this. He Paul actually says in Colossians 1 verse 24 the following. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Now, Paul is saying something really interesting here. And if you quickly read it, it may even seem weird. He's saying he rejoices in his sufferings because he is filling up what was lacking in Christ's sufferings in the body so that the body may be filled up and edified. Okay, now, Many can think what Paul is saying here is something almost blasphemous because it may seem that Paul is saying that Christ's sufferings was actually not enough and that Paul is saying, oh, my suffering is filling up what was lacking in the suffering of Christ. It can seem that he says that, but that's not what he is actually saying. If you read it in context, you can see. He is saying he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's sufferings for the sake of his body. Okay, lacking not in what Christ actually did and how we actually suffered. And there was nothing lacking. He was the perfect lamb, perfect sacrifice. But rather what was lacking in his body, that is his people. We know we are the body of Christ, the body of Yeshua. His bride, if you will. And Paul is saying that I am suffering to fill up what is lacking in the body, in the body of believers. And then he ends it to say, to make the word of God fully known. Right? So he's saying, 
My partaking, me partaking in the sufferings of Christ is actually going to help make the word of God fully known to people who don't yet understand it. You see, the reality is, is that Christ's atonement, what Yeshua did on the cross means absolutely nothing to us, to an um, to a believer or an unbeliever or anyone. It doesn't mean anything if it is not seen believed and loved. If we don't actually have an understanding and a knowledge and of the depth of what he has done for us, the atonement, his atonement, we will never be able to truly be his disciples. We won't be able to truly live and as he did and walk as he walked and have the passion that he had. We won't be able to understand the atonement we have in him if we don't have knowledge of it. Right. It's it's kind of obvious. And so one of the biggest dangers is that people don't have the knowledge of the atonement of Yeshua and that perfect lamb that was that perfect lamb had died for us. So he is saying that he is like partaking in the sufferings of Yeshua so that it can be displayed, transferred, made well known, fully known to everyone he gets in contact with. You see, that's what he means. That is what he's saying. That's what Peter is also meaning is we will partake. Guys, I know this is controversial, but listen, this is what the Bible teaches. And it is truth when we partake in his sufferings, when we we say, Lord, I want to be like you. It means you need to be crushed because you're like an olive. You need to be crushed for that pure olive oil to come out, that virgin oil, if you will. It's the only way. And so Yeshua was crushed and that's how he could be who he was. And and we read in the scriptures how being crushed, suffering produces character, hope and endurance. All of these things cannot be produced. It is impossible to produce the character of Christ in you. If you do not have had a form of suffering. And there is just something that suffering does to the flesh of a man that nothing else can do. And its end can yield great fruit if we are able to hold on to God through it all and keep our eyes focused on him through it all and not make the mistakes that many others do, like the mistakes that Israel did, mistakes that actually costed many people in the Exodus their lives. This is the bigger picture of the Exodus. This is the bigger story. You see, all the little stories in the Exodus account in our Old Testament, it is about how Israel suffers, calls out to God and gets set free. Or they suffer and complain and then many die because of their complaining. And then they repent and then they are set free and then things go well again for a while. And then things go bad again because they grow comfortable and they need edification and they don't want to learn the lessons that they need to learn. They fail the testings of God on their lives over and over and over again. That's why they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness, even though it was only a 12 day journey. They didn't need to. Yeshua, our Messiah, also was in the wilderness, remember? And you will be in the wilderness and I will be in a wilderness. We will all enter wilderness seasons. 
But the secret behind our Messiah's 40 days in the wilderness instead of his whole life or 40 years was the fact that he didn't complain. The fact that he not once lifted his fist up to God and complained about his situation. Instead, he trusted God so much that even when he didn't may have not understood why he things were happening to him as it was, why he was where he was or why things wasn't going according to his fleshly desires, because he was a man, too. He also had a flesh. He also had a carnal mind. He also grew hungry. He also grew thirsty. But he didn't give in to those things because he trusted God. But brothers and sisters, look, it's not just about saying, I trust you, God. It's about actually trusting God, even when you if God has the possibility of choosing to do something that you don't like. You see, sometimes we like to trust God just as long as he does things that are, are OK with us, that are OK with him, us, if we're OK with what he wants to do. But what if he wants to do something that is uncomfortable for us? What if he wants to do something that is and sometimes, you know, we we trust him. We're like, God, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. But in the back of our mind, we are like, but just God, I really hope you just don't do that thing. I really hope you don't allow that. I really hope that because we trust him only superficially. We don't trust him to the ends of the earth. We only trust him as long as things go well. We only trust him as long as it's going our way. And as long as we feel like we have control. But what what happens when you don't? What happens when it doesn't go your way? What happens when things go horribly wrong? What happens when you have no control and you don't even know where this is going? Will you still trust him? Or will you then start complaining and saying, God, I have served you all these times. I've done all these things you asked me to do. But why are you leaving me? Instead, God has always been there. He's actually closer than ever before. He's just not walking with you at a place that you feel comfortable walking in. But sometimes our discomfort is the places that was like the discomforts that Yeshua, our Messiah, had himself. And those discomforts like the wilderness going and fasting for 40 days, that discomfort was necessary to create in him. A strong character that has endurance and hope in who his father is and who God is. So and if he did not go through that, he would never be able to die for me and you. Get that, brothers and sisters. It's the reality of the matter is he would have never been able to die to go through with what he went through if he did not have the suffering of the wilderness seasons he had before he was persecuted and hanged on the cross. Those things were simply trials and testings to mold his character, to build, to build his spirit, to make him into what he needs to be to accomplish the calling that he needs to accomplish. And you and me, we all have callings to accomplish. And if you want to land on your knees and say, God, I want you to do that in me. I want you to make me like you. I want to do what I want you to do, whatever you need to do so I can fulfill every calling in my life. Then you need to be willing to go through a wilderness, to go through times of suffering. And yes, you'll be blessed through it all because that's where father is. You'll be taken care of through it all because that's who he is. But it may not always be easy or comfortable. It can be hard. It can be a time of suffering, but it will yield good fruit.
Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 says the following. And you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. To humble you. To prove you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see, God says, I did this. I let you go through this. I let you, allowed you to suffer, to test you, to humble you, and to basically, at the end of the day, make you more like my son, Yeshua. If you want to remain humble, if you want to be in a place of humility, which is the most priceless thing that you can have, Besides for Yeshua himself, it's the most priceless character element we can have is humility because that is the character of our Messiah. But if you want humility, you must go through suffering once in a while. And brothers and sisters, the reality just is, is I found myself that things can go well for a long time, sometimes in our life. But sometimes, but then at the end, things will dip, things will go grow harder and uneasy. Instead of getting who we are in our situations and then we go up and down with our situations. But if you trust God, you will remain steady with God because he will work in your heart and carry you all the way through. And he goes on and he says, and he humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know. Neither did your fathers know that he might make known to you that a man does not live by bread alone only. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, does a man live. I see God is telling Israel, like, I allowed you to suffer. I allowed you to go hungry. And then I fed you. I allowed you to be cold. And then I warmed you. I allowed you to have things go wrong. And then I allowed you to recover and be healed. Because I want you to see that you don't live by your house. You don't live by having a nice place to lay your head. You don't live by the food that's on your table tonight. You don't live by the water in your tap even. You don't live by the even essentials that we have. Like I just mentioned, we lost our house for a month. We don't live by our house. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And really what he means by that is, you know, when God spoke this world into creation, you know, that's where this world comes from. Our everything you see around you, including the fingers on your hands, has come from the breath of God, where God breathed life into Adam. Remember in Genesis, he breathed life. He breathed creation into being every cell, every atom, everything you see around you came from him. That means that it is not the creation that sustains us. It is he, him. He is the one itself. Our creator is the one that sustains us. We can be deceived into thinking that is the stuff around us. That is the thing that makes us live and provides for us. And you know, and how we work for our money and how we, and it, no, it's not the creation that provides for the creation. It is the creator that provides for his children. That's who we follow. And that's where our bread comes from. And that's the life where the lives comes from. And that's what God wanted to teach Israel and what he wants to teach us. 
Stop trusting in your stuff. Trust in me is what the Lord says. Stop trusting in your ways. I know you don't understand how I work, but my ways are much higher. I see things ahead that you don't. And I see things behind you that you don't. So brothers and sisters, yes, as I when I started this video, yes, we have Deuteronomy where the father did say, if you obey my commandments, you will be blessed. But if you do not do the things that I have been commanding you to do, you will inherit curses. And sometimes that can happen. If we are in disobedience to him, if we just live the way we want and we're in sin, curses can come upon us. But sometimes he allows us to enter a wilderness season because he loves us and he wants us to be great. He loves us so much that he won't allow us to grow passive and and not and in a place of where we don't grow at all. But he will allow things to come upon our path so we can grow more into what we need to be to accomplish the calling he's given us. And that's why we most so often see people who are unbelievers or who don't have God and things just seem to go like this with them. You know, it just seems like they're kind of okay all the time. They don't. It's because they're not uh, being tested. It's because they're just passive. It's because there's no growth. And don't be like Israel who complained in the wilderness. When we look at them, they when we look out throughout the Exodus story, they were complaining a total of about 14 times over 14 different things that came across their path. 14 big events from, you know, the Red Sea crossing when they were faced with the water to the manna. I mean, they're being hungry and and then not having the manna. And then the manna came and then they complained about the manna to not having water, being thirsty. And then, you know, the water came, and, you know, they just had so many things. And then they complained, found something new to complain about. After the fifth time of complaining, we see five events of complaining in the story of the Exodus. And God is, is merciful and he shows them and he, he delivers them. He gives them healing, gives them what they need. But after the fifth time, God starts growing impatient and that he starts destru- allowing destruction to come upon them because of their complaining. He allows their complaining to actually start bringing curses. So, brother, sister, don't let your suffering, which is for the glory of God, Allow to be don't allow that to become a curse because you complain about what God wants to use to mold you more into Yeshua. Don't complain about that so much that it actually turns into a curse because complaining is sin and sin produces a curse. You see, that's where we can easily try to go over from just having suffering to mold us more into his image just into plain disobedience to God and not trusting him and walking into curses because we're complaining over his love for us. You see how that doesn't make sense. You see how that can start becoming sin. And that's when we see things like the Korah rebellion. That's why we see when we see things like, you know, the the adultery, the sexual morality, the sin that started creeping into the camps is because they were unhappy in their suffering and they started turning their back on God. 
through complaining and then that complaining start manifesting into sinful acts. And then lastly, I want to tell you also this is that when you overcome and you will, if you put your trust in him and he's going to carry you through whatever it is and you're going to overcome, you know, as I'm even just making this video, I don't have my house back. I, I still don't even see what I've been talking about. We're, we're still outside of our home at the making of the recording of this video. But that doesn't mean it's not coming. It doesn't mean it's not going to be restored. I know my father. And as I'm standing here, I know he will restore what was law, our home to us. He will restore all things to us so we can continue with the work that he has prepared for us. And so even though things are not restored to me, as I stand here, I'm telling you, it will be to me and to you. And it's okay. Just I trust him and you should just trust him. And now when you get this, when you overcome, when you get it back, when you get healing, deliverance, restoration, I want to tell you, don't think it was because of your righteousness. You know, when God came to Israel and he delivered them and did all these things for them, he told them this at the end. In Deuteronomy 9 verse 5, he says, It's not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart that you go to possess their land, but for the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may perform the word which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The reality is we can easily become puffed up and say, well, I'm perfect. And, you know, um, that's why God does the things for me that he does. And, and to be honest, brothers and sisters, oftentimes we see people like that who go and say, I'm perfect. I'm walking upright with God. I'm in righteousness and therefore nothing bad will ever happen to me. And therefore I will never. But brothers and sisters, the reality even is. Is no one is perfect. No one is perfectly righteous. We all have sin. We all fall short of his glory. It is not our righteousness that keeps um, cursings from us. And if you think it's your righteousness that keeps a curse from you, you are so incredibly prideful. It is disgusting, actually. Because you are then saying it is, I am holy. Because if you are so holy by your own works, your own righteousness, that you can keep the cursings of sin from you, then you wouldn't even need Messiah. Because that's why he came to die. He came to die for you and me to give us deliverance from these things through his righteousness, through his holiness, not through our own. Brothers and sisters, yes, I am a better man than I was before I met him. But I am not a perfect man. And neither are you. We are all being drawn closer to perfection every day. But we fall short regardless through, through accidents and mistakes we make on a daily basis. Therefore, we cannot boast in our righteousness and right standing when we can only boast in his. We can only boast what he has done. He is the one that cleanses me and he is the one because of his crucifixion, because of what he's done. Oh, that's why my house will be cleaned. That's why my deliverance will come and freedom will come It's because of what he has done, not because of what I have done. So brothers and sisters, I want to just pray, lift this thing up to the father, because I know that 
this is a time of, of I've noticed many of us, many people, many believers are in this time where there is suffering. There are there's wilderness seasons. There's all this. And I just I'm just going to pray Lord, right now, Father, Holy Spirit, Lord, come and bring freedom. Lord, we speak to every situation at the end of the screen right now in the name of Yeshua. And Lord, we command restoration. We command freedom. Lord, we command your will be done. Lord, we trust your will. We trust what you want. We know what you want is best and good and pure and holy. And we trust in that to be manifest in our life. Lord, we don't care if what you want is not exactly about what our flesh wants. But we will submit to you because what you want is best. We will trust you to the end. We will not complain. And we repent for complaining where we did. Lord, we ask for your will, your restoration. And Father, I pray for your grace, your blood that was shed, Lord, to be poured out. Lord, to be, to be, to be an act of mercy on our situations, Lord. Father, I thank you. In the name of Yeshua. I thank you for healing right now. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. And if this teaching has blessed you at all, know that it was because of my little bit of suffering that I had in this past month that this video could have come to you. And if that is not fruit for you, if that is not a display of evidence of what it can mean when God presses you, then I don't know what would. God bless you and keep you. And a special shout out and thank you to our current partners who have made this video and every other video this month possible. Shalom.